Alright, so this morning, in the interim between our next book that we're going to be going through after completing the book of Acts, last week we find ourselves in what is going to be a four-part series in John chapter 9. I've entitled this series TOPS, and it's an acronym for Trust, Obey, Purify, and See. And I'll actually have uh, the graphics up right there. So, for those of you that got the email, we do a digital email bulletin that gets sent out on Saturdays. And if you miss that, you can sign up in the back, and it has all the announcements with all the details in it uh, for you to review at your leisure. And uh, you would have seen this. So, John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. This is part one of our our four-part series, and this morning's uh, message is going to be looking at trust. At trust. That first little icon there, trust. It says in verse 1, John 9, Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. And we'll stop right there. Have you ever noticed how hard it is, how difficult it is to lay down your thoughts and your emotions at the feet of Jesus? Sometimes when things are just running rampant, because our emotions can do so, can't they? You know, our thought process all over the place, our emotions all over the place. And this is especially common when we're experiencing a little thing called a letdown, a disappointment. And see, letdown occurs... Letdown incurs when we put our trust in something that ends up falling through. I mean, if I were just to take a survey survey this morning, how many of you would say that you've ever been let down once in your life? Well, wow, some of you have not. Wow, that's pretty good. I hope that keeps going for you and you know it's wrong to lie in church. So how did it make you feel when you were let down? A little discouraged? A little despondent? You see, we we see that evident a lot when letdown occurs. It's a a lot of times evident in the dreams that we have. And and, and then, you know, this ideal, the the idea that we had that things should look a certain way and, and, and turn out a certain way. You know, I have this dream to do this, or I have this dream to do that. And I think we've all had the same thoughts in in one way or another. And see, we all have those ideal situations that we can see ourselves in, but when it finally hits us, when it finally hits a square between the eyes that things are not going to turn out the way that we thought or hoped they would have turned out, we become discouraged, bummed out. I use that word despondent, or you're lifeless, uh, uh, emotionally drained. You're let down. And you're wondering, where do I go from here? What am I supposed to be doing? I remember, you know, those dreams and aspirations that, that I've had. And, and things that have turned out differently. You know, those dreams, you know, like where you were living the, the endless summer. You know, asleep on the beach in Hawaii. Man, what a nice idea that is. I remember because I used to live there. And you're asleep on the beach in Hawaii and, you know, the trade winds are rustling through the palms. The warm sun is tingling on your salt-stained skin. And you're just thinking, oh, this is the life. And, you know, and then, I don't know if you've ever camped by the beach or been by the ocean, how therapeutically relaxing it is to, to hear the waves crash on the sea. It's just, 
Boom! And this dream life that you had, it's so amazing. And then, you know, the booming of the waves on the shore turns into the booming of your dad's fist on your bedroom door telling you to get out of bed and get a job. And your dreams were shattered. Your dream life, the things that you wanted to be doing. And there are some young people today that have had that happen just recently, no doubt. It didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to be. See, we've all had similar experiences, different circumstances, but the feelings are there just the same. Sometimes we put our trust in relationships. We put our trust in somebody. We find our self-worth or our sense of identification with the people we associate ourselves with. And we associate ourselves with and we'll even, we'll even look to other, as, even as Christians, we'll look to other people in the times of need and when we're having a problem instead of looking to God. We'll, we'll, we'll grab the phone and call this person before we fold our hands and speak to the Lord. And we'll put our trust in man, although we know God and that He's there, we still have a hard time trusting in Him. Truly trusting in God. This morning we're talking about trust. We're talking about what it means to truly trust in the Lord. We can put our trust in ourselves, in our dreams, in our willpower. We can put our trust in other people. We can put our trust in things. In Psalm 118 verse 8 it says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because when things don't work out with that special someone, we're devastated. The one that said, I will love you forever is now gone forever. And we may find ourselves wondering, who can we ever trust again? Who's going to be there for us when we need help? Who knows me and the things that I'm going through? Or we'll even blame God and cry out and say, Why, God, are you doing this to me? I trust in this person and it didn't work. I trust in this company and it fell through. I trust in that idea and it didn't happen. Why, God? Well, I want you to know this morning that the one that was there with you the whole time, since the beginning of your time on this earth, will be the same one that will be with you for the rest of time and is saying to you in a still, small voice, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. But I don't get it. I don't see it. Trust me. Trust me. What does it mean to trust? What does it literally mean? Well, it literally means to be carried as an infant completely trusting its father. You know, when you're holding your baby and you're like, woo, he doesn't think he's gonna, he's in any danger or anything. I remember Hudson when he was little, he used to love for me to throw him up in the sky. Man, we'd see how high, and some of you dads do that with your kids too and give your wives heart failure, but we'd throw, you know, a child up in the sky and he loved it. He absolutely loved it. And then sometimes we get a little crazy. I mean, you don't want to try this at home unless you're an expert, but we do a little twist, like a 360 twist and then catch. I mean, he loved that kind of thing. I would launch him, and he would laugh so hard. He thought it was the best thing in the world. He would ask, please, Dad, let's go. Can you throw me up? But one of the main reasons that Hudson loved to, you know, for, for me to throw him up so much was because I caught him. It's because I caught him. I didn't go, come here, Hudson. Good luck, buddy! Woo! And he crashes over there 10 feet on the floor. He, he, he trusted me. He knew that if I had him, that he would be safe. And that he would be taken care of. 
Because if I threw him up in the air and let him land, he probably wouldn't like it too much anymore. Today, I want you to know this morning specifically that you can, that you can absolutely trust your heavenly Father to establish you and to affirm you. You can rely on Him. You can believe in Him. You can stand firm in Him. For some of us this morning, our trust in God is dead or it is on life support at best. In James 2.20 it says, But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Meaning, you say you trust in God but do not do the things that He's telling you to do. You say you believe in God, but you don't act like it, so that faith is dead because there's nothing supporting it. I can say I'm something all I want, but unless I back that up with my actions, it doesn't count. So, this morning, as we get into what will be three main points, I have to ask you this question. How many of you know what CPR stands for? Anybody? Okay, well, you're a fireman. You don't count. Uh, Cardiopulmonary resuscitation. Now, CPR is something that we hope we never have to use on anybody, but some of you today have a faith or trust that is in dire need of resuscitation. You have a faith or trust in God that is in dire need of resuscitation. So we're going to look this morning, our three main points are going to be how do we resuscitate our trust in the Lord. And this, ironically enough, these letters, C-P-R, which stand for Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation, are actually going to be the acronym that we're going to use for our three points this morning as we look at C, which is going to stand for Character. It's going to look at P, which stands for Promises. And it's going to look at the letter R, which stands for Results. And so if you're taking notes this morning, point number one is know God's character. So you want to resuscitate your trust in God? Well, number one, that's CPR. The letter C is character. Character can be defined as the aggregate of features and traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing. So look at verse 1, John 9. It says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Right off the bat, you need to understand that the Lord knows your past. He knows your story. Now, for some of us here this morning, that might spark extreme fear and dread. The Lord knows all about me? Yes, absolutely. I could tell that it did because I saw some of your eyes widen when I said that. For others, the fact might be a reminder that God is very aware of what's happening to you. In Psalm 139, I'm going to highlight a couple verses. It says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Trust is a very serious thing. A very serious thing. But whom better to trust than the Lord? Some of us have put our trust in friends that are pranksters and say, hey, you walk through that door first. 
And we know, I'm not going to walk through that door first. Because I don't trust Him. He's up to something. This is not the type of relationship that we are to have with God. When we trust truly in God, He says, go through that door. We go through that door trusting He's already gone before us and prepared our way. And so if we're trying to resuscitate our trust in God or maybe give it a boost or get it to the next level, we need to point number one, know God's character. He is the creator of the universe. In Psalm 8, verses 3 through 4, it says, When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man or who am I that you are mindful of me? You created the galaxies and I'm this little speck on a speck. Want to talk about God's character? Well, He's the creator of the universe. He is righteous and holy. In Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is righteous in all His ways, gracious in all His work. The Lord is near to all who call upon Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear Him. He will hear their cry and save them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, but all the wicked He will destroy. So not only is He the creator of the universe, He's righteous and He's holy. He's also good, loving, and kind. In Psalm 17, verse 7, it says, Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you. Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Psalm 25, 8, Good and upright is the Lord. Exodus 34, 6, The Lord passed before and said, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. And one of my favorites under this heading, Nahum 1.7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who trust in Him. He knows those of us who trust in Him. So what are some of the things that describe God's character? The creator of the universe, he spoke the world into existence. This is how powerful he is. He is righteous and holy in all of his ways. He is good, he is loving, he is kind. Thus he is merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abounding in goodness and truth. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. So, Jesus sees this man who was blind from birth. He knew exactly his story, he knew where he was from, and he knew what was about to happen. And his disciples asked him, saying, verse 2, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now there was a belief, very unfortunate belief, that a parent's sins were passed to their children. Basically meaning if there was anything wrong with a child that was born, it was because the parents did something sinful. I can't think of a worse thing to be said about parents who had a child born blind that their child's blindness was God's punishment upon them. Unbelievable. But he says in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Some people today will say that there are certain babies that shouldn't be allowed to go full term and live. They should be aborted. There are some people that say today that there are just certain people not as valuable as others. Sometimes we can feel that those things being spoken or thought of are true, but they're not. You might say, I have this setback, or I have this handicap, or I have this impediment. I have this shortcoming. 
Or you felt that you're not important because of whatever those things may be. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said. Neither this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be revealed in his life. You feel like you have a shortcoming? You feel like you have a handicap? You feel like you have an, uh, some, some, something that's holding you back? Well, listen to me very clearly. The Lord will use those things so that the work that He wants to do will be revealed in your life. It'll be so evident that God is working in your life through those shortcomings that you will be blown away. Blown away. So often we think, well, you know, I didn't have this degree and I have, you know, this learning disability or whatever it might be. Scratch that. That's the world's economy. In God's economy, He takes the weakness of this world and He makes it strong. He takes the things that are despised and looked down upon and He lifts them up and He uses those things to bring Him glory. And so for us this morning, if there's anything that's going on in your life where you're going, I have this or I have that, then good. You're the prime candidate to be used by God in a great way. But not only that, for the Lord to use those difficulties, to use those trials, to use whatever it might be that you think is holding you down for His glory to be revealed in your life. He says, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is the day. The night is coming when no one can work. And as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when He had said these things, He spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva. And He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So the Lord will take your problem, your difficulty, your failing, your handicap, or whatever setback you may have, and those things in your life will be used in such a way that God may be revealed in your life. It's the Lord that does the work, and then it's the Lord that receives the glory for it. So, point number one of CPR is know God's character. Point number two is bank on His promises. Number one, know God's character. Letter C, letter P, promises. Bank on His promises. Where is promises found? In His Word that He has written to you. Are you burdened this morning? What does He say? Come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 30. 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all your cares upon Him for He cares for you. You can cast your cares upon the Lord. You can come to Him and have your burden relieved. Are you dealing with painful circumstances? Are you dealing with something that is very hurtful? In Romans 8.28, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to His purposes. In John 14.8, He says, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Meaning that the Lord is going to come and He is going to work and He is going to help. You're not alone. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 3-4, it says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. I know God's character. He's he's true, He's righteous in all of His ways. He's holy, He's the creator of the universe. He knows me, He knows everything about me. Do I trust that? Do I trust Him? Do I bank on His promises when I feel alone or 
when I feel afraid? Do I recall 2 Timothy 1.7, for God's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. In Deuteronomy 31.6, the Lord says, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them or that. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Right now, when you're feeling like your world's upside down or you don't know what to do, you're wondering, who do I trust? Who do I turn to? My friends have let me down. My boyfriend's broken up with me. My boss fired me and we were, you know, childhood friends or whatever it might be. Who do I turn to when I'm anxious or when I'm worried? Oh, what does the word of God say? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. And finally, Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. Are you weak? Trust in the Lord. The Lord is everlasting strength. Isaiah 26, 4. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I know God's character. I hold fast to those promises found in His Word. And thirdly, wait for His results. Wait for His results. Now, waiting has to be the most difficult thing for any of us to do in this day and age. But, it, but it's always been that way regardless of the age. We didn't like to wait for anything. I mean, you know how annoying it is when your computer doesn't boot up under 15 seconds and you're like, what in the world is going on? Or your your internet page doesn't load within one second. You're like, what in the world? This is taking forever. You pull up to an in-and-out line and they don't know that you're there for approximately 46 seconds. And then you're going, why is this taking so long? Why is my popcorn in the microwave taking so long to pop? Or whatever it might be. We don't like waiting. Let me tell you something. If you're waiting for God's results, don't give up. Don't lose confidence in God when you're in a difficult situation or when things aren't going the way you would have them to go. Because that's when you get tested, isn't it? Oh, if God was really going to come through for you and if God really loved you and He was going to take care of it, it would have happened by now. But then you go all the way back. I know God's character. He always takes care of me. He always supplies my needs. I can bank on those promises because they're found in the word of God and they never fail. And because God is true and righteous and holy, he doesn't go back on his word and his word stands. So I hold fast to those things. But then the third part, those results that we're waiting for are difficult to wait for. The difficult situation that we're in causes us to be tested to lose our confidence in God coming through for us. But Realize that the Lord is in control of your life and that He knows what's best for you, whether you like it or not, or whether you agree with it or not. He knows what's best. I mean, just by way of observation, man, do we sure trust in the Lord amazingly well when things are going fantastic. Lord, I trust you so much. You're such a good, great God. I just got a bonus. It's twice my salary. Lord, I trust you. You know, I just got a brand new car given to me. Lord, I trust you to provide my transportation. You know, Lord, I trust... But then all of a sudden, difficulty strikes. And this is where we learn what it means to truly trust in God. It's when things are going terribly. 
Because learning to trust in God is the foundation for our obedience. Trust enables us to obey what God has set forth in His Word. Because why would I obey somebody telling me to do something if I don't trust them? Why would I do something that somebody's telling me to do if I just quite frankly don't trust them? Well, if I truly trust in God, then I will obey what He tells me to do. I know for us and my family personally, you know, we, we're blessed, our family's blessed. You know, and we can't just discount that God's blessed us. You can always look out and find somebody that's worse off or has a, has a worse problem, causes us to be truly thankful. But one of the things that had been particularly trying for us was with our daughter Ava and, and, and trying to figure out what's going on with her. And, and, and you've seen her and you've heard her and you might have even been hit by one of her toys that she's thrown or whatever it might be. Um, you know, <laughs> and, 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 we, and we've, we've worked through this thing over and over and over again. And this verse so spoke to me in John 9 where, you know what? The works of God are going to be revealed in her life. And I know this to be true. And you want to hear something so crazy? I have to share this with you because it was so insane how this happened. So Ruth's dad uh, has pastored in the UK for numbers of, uh, I think, 30, 40 years. And had planted Calvary Chapel in Cardiff. And and just about maybe three three to six months ago, if I'm not mistaken, um, there was a doctor from India that came on one Sunday morning and he uh, started talking with John, Ruth's dad, and John told her about our daughter Ava and uh, told him about our, our daughter Ava. And, and, and he, he, he lists off all these things and, and, uh, and, and, and you know, asks him all these questions. And he says, you know what? I've seen a lot of children like that. And by the time she's nine, she'll be okay. She'll be completely caught up. And so obviously that's a great thing to hear and you're like wow that's really encouraging and so you know john would say a guy traveled ten thousand miles and was here one random sunday just to tell me that ava was going to be okay he was a physician had hypotonic cerebral palsy you know uh patients and all these kind of things and so we're like okay well that's that's really cool and, and john would always say god didn't send a man from india ten thousand miles you know if, if this wasn't you know and so we're, we're like okay that's cool and then the other day two days ago we're at ikea uh, you know ikea is a great place i kind of have a love-hate relationship with that place uh, because i like furniture built and then i get it home and i think i'm never buying another piece of furniture from ikea again you know and, <laughs> and everything's got and i'm swedish and so i can joke around about that kind of stuff but uh, you know it's like everything's complicated you know you can't just call it a chair it's a stool in Magulin, or whatever it might be and uh, uh that's not my original content but anyway uh so we're in ikea and we randomly we sit in the tra- in traffic from irvine 405 you know it's that wrong time where you don't go on the 405 which is between like three and seven basically but anyway we're there and we get off and we're going to run in real quick look at a dresser and then get get home but then Hudson says I'm hungry he's my son he smelled the Swedish meatballs and he's like let's go up to the restaurant so we run up there to the restaurant and uh, we decide not only to get Swedish meatballs but he's like I want some ribs too you know so big thing of ribs and fries you know he's a growing boy and uh, so we sit down and we're like all right let's eat real quick because I had a meeting I had to get back to and so we had to you know come up and get back to Irvine or whatever so we're sitting there and this is how it is there's the walkway right here 
and I'm sitting here. Hudson's sitting here. Ava is in the push cart, sitting in, you know, the, you know, where the little kids sit. And Ruth's standing over here across from me. And these people are just walking by, you know, what, you know, whatever. And, and, and Ava doesn't do anything. And all of a sudden, there's this couple, probably in their, in their 70s, uh, uh, come walking by. And, and he's walking here, and his wife's walking here. And Ava just grabs him by the shirt and pulls him into her and smiles at him. And, 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 and we're like, oh, you know, I'm so, so like his shirt was tucked in, you know, and, and it was like, pulled, like, it wasn't like that, you know, and she pulls it and, uh, come to find out, you know, Ruth's like, Ruth, Ruth's like, oh, I'm so sorry. My daughter has special needs, but he didn't look phased by it at all. And, and his wife was very lovely as well. And, and they're, and they're standing there and come to find out the guy's like top notch special needs pediatrician who is, uh, was just up from San Diego. Uh, he's going to be overseeing about 70 physicians uh, because he retired, but he's like, I just love children so much, so I'm going to be overseeing this new uh, wing of a hospital where, whatever. and so he starts giving her a, like a, a checkup right there in that, in that cart of Ikea. And he says, has she had this brain scan? And she had the chromosomal testing? And she had the DNA? And she, she had this? And she's internal, whatever. And he starts listening. And then Ruth's like, yeah, 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 yeah. All the way down, all the way down. And then he looks at her. And the first thing she, he says, well, you know, a lot of parents are concerned about this. But I can tell you right now, she's not autistic at all. So you don't have to worry about that. See how she engages with people. And she loves people. She's just sitting there smiling at this guy. And, and he goes on and spends about 35 to 40 minutes with us just talking about Ava. And, and this is what he says. This is the craziest thing. Uh, he's like, mark my words. He's like, I have seen a lot of children like Ava. By the time she's nine, she'll be completely okay, and you won't have to worry about a single thing. Be patient and wait, but mark my words. When she's nine years old, she'll be all right. And when literally Ruth and I almost started like bawling right there in, in Ikea, you know, because you're like, okay, some guy travels 10,000 miles to India to Cardiff, Wales, and says, yeah, Ava will be okay when she's nine. And then what are the chances of Ava grabbing some guy after all these people, of all the people? <laughs> Ava grabs him and says, I need to talk to you, and then pulls him in. And, and, and then he says the same thing that the guy said, you know, to my father-in-law and the other half of the world. And the remarkable thing about that was just the day before that happened at Ikea, Ruth, and she didn't tell me this until afterwards, that she was praying and saying, Lord, please give us some encouragement with Ava. Please, Lord. We've been waiting on you because Ava turns five next month. Ava turns five, and we're waiting on the Lord.
Father, we come before you. Help us to wait on you, Lord, for all of the things that we cry out to you for. Help us to know your character. Help us to bank on your promises and to wait for your results. Thank you that you are so faithful. And Lord, we pray for all the areas of needs that we have, that you would meet us exactly where we're at. Help us, Lord, to truly trust in you so much that we would obey what you call us to do, Lord. So, Lord, I thank you that your strength is made perfect in our weakness. And, Lord, I pray, God, even now, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would encourage anybody that needs encouragement today. And, Lord, As we continue, Lord, with our study in John 9 and next week, we'll see how this blind man, this man who was born blind from birth, trusts you enough to obey you. I pray, God, that you would help us to be able to do the same, Lord, that we trust you enough to obey what you have called us to do, regardless if it seems so crazy and so far-fetched and so outlandish or whatever it might be. Lord, I pray, God, that you would please, please help us. And so, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you are so, so good. So, Lord, help us, Lord, to know your character. Help us, Lord, to truly, truly bank on those promises that you've given us in your word. And help us, Lord, to be patient as we wait for your results. And so, Lord, we ask that we not be hearers of your word, but doers also. And, Lord, we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.